welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 105, the podcast where we talk about photography, videography, and anything that's got anything to do with any of that. But before we get into it, let me just remind you that if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, there's a fully fledged, fully technicolored video version over on YouTube. So if you're that way inclined and, you know, you want to see or listen to more than just our excellently sultry voices. It's, it's pink and blue and everything. It's pink and blue and everything, yeah. yeah. So if you are interested in uh, in our background, come and watch us on YouTube. Anyway, once once you're there, <laughs> uh, make sure you hit the uh, subscribe and like button and all the rest of it. Hit that bell so you'll be uh, notified every time we uh, launch a new episode. Now, episode 105. Shabang. Sh- should have been last week. <laughs> Shh, does this make it 106? <laughs> well, I don't know. No, 105. 105. 105B. Yeah, 105, 105B, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we are back. Uh, last week was a bit of a dropout. Yeah, yeah, expect many more. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, just uh, unfortunately, sometimes your week just gets a little too busy sometimes to, to life, get it all in. Life gets in the way. Life does get That's in the way. Damn That's you, it. life. Damn you. Exactly. Exactly. But we're back. Um, it, it really has been an incredibly busy week. Oh, do you know, I don't even know what I've done. Well, I've done so many things. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just been nuts. So <coughs> excuse me. Oh, that's still lingering you know, COVID cough that is. <laughs> wow. I know. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Excuse me. Mm. Yeah, so it's been it's been a busy week. Um I've been working on uh, countless, countless things. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it has been super, super busy. Uh what have you been working on? What's uh well, a whole bunch of different things. Um I've so I've been uh, working on some headshots. Um I'm also planning uh, two days of headshot mini sessions that are coming mm. up um, in the next few weeks. What's uh, what, what do you def- define as a mini session? So a mini session is really um, a really like a, a much quicker, much shorter um, session. That's that's also much more affordable. So typically, mm-hmm. um, you know, typically the way I run headshot sessions is that it's uh, there's no time limit on it. Mm-hmm. So the way I do it is that, you know, I charge a session fee and then a per photo fee on top of that. So the session fee is really unlimited in terms of time. So it could take an hour, it could take three hours. It doesn't really matter because all that really matters is is the end result. And the, and you might think, well, but then, you know, if a session takes five hours, then you make less money per hour. But the reality is if you do... There's two things that happen. First of all, um, if you run a session like that, uh, you're going to get a lot more customer satisfaction because you're really going to get to the good stuff Mm -hmm. in that session. But the other thing also is you can shoot a lot more variety. And because the way way my pricing structure is structured is that um, I charge a session fee plus a per photo fee. So the more time I have with a client, the more photos I can actually upsell at the end of it. So... It's, you know, it, it works to my benefit. And when I uh, changed my pricing structure to the system, you know, about maybe a year, maybe a year and a half ago, year a year ago, something like that, um, it really meant that I'm actually um, earning more per session every time. And so it has, it has, a, it has, a, it has a benefit, mm. you know. Um, and so I typically book... I mean, you know, I, I tend to not book more than one person a day um, because then that gives me the flexibility to to literally just, um, 
you know, spend as much time as, as yeah. is needed. And, you know, the thing is, <clears throat> the reality is, and I see this a lot, um, you know, when you look at headshot sessions that are like, you know, a 20 minute session, let's say, you know, you basically, okay, so you shoot on one background, you get a photo, they'll pay the, 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 the price, you know, the, the package price. Cause you often see that you see like three different packages, you know, there's like a 20 minute session. It's like, I don't know, a 40 minute session and hour and a half or whatever, maybe. Um, the, the problem is you're locked in with the price. If you're, if you're saying like with the, the middle package or something, you get f 40 minutes of my time plus three photos, you're locked in with that price. You're never really going to earn more than that. But if you keep it open-ended and you create variety, then you actually going to end up upselling a lot more at the end. Mm. And it, it really, you know, it's, it's worked. It's worked in two ways. I mean, yes, it does make me more money per session, but, but the clients go home uh, really happy with what they've got because they got variety. Um, you know, I take time and care. Um, to really get to the good shots. Um, there's no pressure on anyone. Um, and, you know, I go by the, but it's of thinking that, you know, the first, I don't know, the first 80 whatever shots, you know, at the beginning of the session, they're just warm-ups. You know, you rarely, really, let's say the first 50, 50 to 80 shots or something, you really rarely get to anything that's a keeper at that point because people are just getting used to the situation. Um, and then, you know, in the end, if I've shot, you know, let's say, I mean, if I would say, let's say five different setups, you know, a white background, a gray background, um, different lighting, um, you know, a three quarter shot, you know, that sort of thing. Before you know it, you're actually selling, you know, five different shots. And then really the way you then break it down, because I do the image selection with the client in the room as well. So at the end of the session, um, I don't use online galleries. Basically, uh, the, the image selection happens with the client in mm -hmm. the room there. Yep. And so we go through all the different looks. We'll kind of bring it down to the the hero shot, you know, for each look. And then they're really looking at, like, let's say if you did five setups, they're really looking at five different shots. Um, and then they are more likely than not to buy a shot from each setup. Unless they really think, oh, I don't need uh, a wide background. Or something yeah shot, you know yeah, yeah. but that really rarely happens so so really the longer i can get the the longer i can keep the client engaged the more setups i can go through the more i stand to you know benefit from it afterwards because um because it can ups upsell these additional shots afterwards so that's why i normally do it but what it means uh, that's how i normally do it but what that also means is that the session fee initially is relatively expensive mm. um because it does have to cover the, the time investment to, to an extent. So there are, of course, people who don't need that. They don't need a selection of, of headshots. They just need one headshot, let's say, you know, for a LinkedIn profile yeah. or for the website or something like that. And they don't really want to pay that amount of money. I mean, it's, it's really, I'll tell you another thing about this in a second, but... And the quality of that headshot doesn't have to actually be that great either. Um, well, I mean, the, the thing it's... is like, the quality the quality of it, I think, in my mind, is that's, you know, that's how I'm trying to um, differentiate myself from others, right? So, it, you know, in my mind, I, I want to produce a, a really top-notch headshot. That's what I'm trying to do. But, um, but not everybody needs that. And not everybody wants to pay several hundred pounds 
for a headshot session. Mm-hmm. You know, some people that just literally want to get one headshot done and that's it. Um, and so that's why every year I run two days of, of uh, mini headshot sessions or headshot mini sessions. And, um, and that's basically two days that I've set aside. It's usually around May time um, where I do much smaller sessions like between 20 and 40 minutes. And we're really just going for, you know, one or two different setups. I mean, usually I have two or three different setups that are quick change setups. Um, and the idea is really to, to make, you know, to create an inexpensive um, solution for people who just literally want one, one headshot or something. And because I'm still running maybe two, maybe three, different setups in that session, I still have the option to upsell in mm-hmm. that, but it's mm-hmm. quick and easy. Yeah. So that way I can, um, you know, I can book in multiple people in a day. Um, you know, I can book in like six, seven sessions a day, you know, and, and I can basically shoot them back to back. And then, you know, I have a system as to, um, because the, the image selection that's really important. The image selection still has to happen on site. Um, because, uh, the, the way I like to do it is basically I like to shoot in the morning and then edit in the afternoon so I can get all this stuff done by the end of the day. So I don't have lots of edits hanging around for the next week or something, mm. you know, so. That's a good idea. So, you know, so actually um, it just, it you know, it gives me the opportunity to onboard clients that wouldn't otherwise have become my clients. And of course, then you have the opportunity to, um to potentially, you know, work with that client again. They might come back, they might book you for a bigger session, you know, they might you know, come back. Even if they come back the following year for another headshot, it's fine because they're just a, you know, a recurring client. That's okay. But, you know, you're not alienating those people who can't or won't pay for, um, uh, you know, a full, fully fledged headshot, headshot session. So it's, you know, and because I'm doing it once a year, it's more of an event. Yeah. And, you know, they don't even have to be money-making to a certain extent. And Mm. what what I mean by that is that you can consider them as, like, lost leaders and whatnot because, you you know, I mean, everybody knows that generally if you do a good job for someone and you're personable with them and they think, oh, I need another another headshot done, another I've got another photography-related thing that I need doing or video-related thing that I need doing, guess who they're going to call? The person had a good experience with, and that's it. Even if you didn't mm. get much money from it the first time round, yeah. they're in there now, and they're 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 there, and you yeah. can continue to send things to them throughout the course of the year. Keep Absolutely. them um, what's the threat at top of mind um, yeah. as as it goes, and that's what it's going to. Most of the people I work with yeah. are repeat people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know? exactly. So you know, you have that you have that opportunity of like remarketing to the. Mm. To, to that pool of clients. But, you know, for me, I mean, if I'm honest, um, it's totally worthwhile doing those mini yeah. headshot uh, sessions because actually, you know, um, I make quite a bit of extra yeah. cash, uh, you know. Yeah, so it's, exactly. it's, you know, it's definitely worthwhile. I've also found that, and okay, I mean, I did them last year and it was actually, it was all right. The year before, of course, I didn't do them because it was COVID and lockdowns and whatever. Um, but I found that they've become more and more popular. And even um, I found that 
especially with people in like networking groups, for example, they tend to jump onto that mm. um, relatively quickly because they know, I mean, as, as always, you know, when you set something up and it's time limited and it's this rarity involved, as in like, it only happens one year, uh, once a year. And, um, you know, it's time limited as in there are only two days, that is it. Um, and I set up these, you know, I set up individual slots. And this, I explain how I do that online uh, because it's a completely automated the booking system, which is absolutely yeah, beautiful. Absolutely. It yeah. really means I have to do zero. I mean, I actually do nothing other than, of course, promoting the actual event. But, in, you know, when people, um, you know, choose the time slot and book in and pay and all the rest of it, all of that's automated. So, um, I, you know, you, I, I sort of made the initial time investment of setting up, you know, I don't know, setting up emails and writing, writing copy for emails and all the rest, all the rest of it, and setting up the actual booking system. But once that's done, every year it's just simply a repeat of the same. That's it, isn't it? So um, it's it's pretty pretty easy now to set Rinse up and repeat. You know, yeah, and yeah. so um, it's it's a worthwhile it's a worthwhile thing to do mm. for, for a number of different reasons. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, that's anyway, so that's, that's one thing that's, that's kept me relatively busy um, over the last week and a half. So. Have you thought about expanding those to perhaps, um, you know, having more people in a day, go to a different venue. That's not your home studio. Uh, okay. So yes, I have. That's the answer to that. Mm. Um, at the moment, I like these mini sessions because they happen, you know, they're happening at my own studio. So it's mm. like people come to me. I don't have to really go anywhere. You know, I have my setup and that's it. That's that. You know, yeah. um, but you're right. So there is this. So this is a little tip, like for, you know, for, uh, for those, for those uh, people out there who maybe don't have a home studio or, or a studio per se. Um, there, there are really easy ways that you can do a similar thing. Um, if you look at partnering up with with very specific organizations, like Shared Office Space, for example, is a really good example. You know, when you have something like, was it called Re Regis? Regis, yeah. Regis, yeah. So you have a company that comes in the UK, like Regis, and basically serviced office buildings, probably the best mm -hmm. way to describe that. Um, you know, you could, you could um, partner up with uh, with with those kind of companies and then make an event and create an event for one day at that particular yeah location you know you know bring your mobile setup so be that I mean headshots you know your setup doesn't have to be huge <laughs> you know and um yeah and you basically create like an event you know and if you sh if I mean if you get a whole f uh, you know a whole morning booked out you can make you know good money on the side there yeah, so absolutely no problem. Um, and, you know, and, and again, you're onboarding all these poten potential future clients as well at the same time. So, you know, absolutely. And if, when, once you start thinking along those lines, you know, service office buildings are not the only type of, um, you know, partnerships that you get into. There are loads of other opportunities out there, whether that's, yeah. you just have to think about, you know, where are, where are the people that need headshots? So they're either people in, you know, business you know, serviced office buildings, for example, or, you know, there might be people in the entertainment industry. So, you know, you're immediately looking at um, acting schools, for example, mm -hmm. you know, acting colleges, 
you know, well, I mean, you can, you can also think of like, okay, you know, is there a college or university in your area um, that teaches business? You know, um, business graduates will need headshots to apply for jobs. It's as simple as that, you know? And so you can literally just think of it like that and then, you know, partner up with a particular entity um, and create an event around mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it's because it's beneficial for everyone. It's beneficial for you, obviously, but it's also beneficial for uh, for the school, you know, if they can offer that to their clients. And obviously, you know, cut them a really good deal, you know, um, that uh, is a bargain for them. And, and everybody's a winner, really, at the end of it. So you can kind of, you know, as, as you... Um, as you make these connections, so of course, once you've made a connection to like your local acting school or, you know, your local service office building, whatever, that's a connection you can then service in the future, you know, and, and you can literally then start onboarding those kind of clients, you know, one after the other. And before you know it, you can probably do these, uh, these sort of uh, one-off hatchet days that you do once a year, but you do it in a number of different locations. And before you know it, you could probably do one of those several times a year. You know, so. and it's it's a nice little thing. Again, the initial setup of the whole thing does um, does take a little bit of time, but once you've done it once, it's happy days. That's it. It's not, you know. That's it. And it's it's also really super fun to do. I just, you know, as you know, I love shooting headshots. It's just a thing that I like doing. Um, and so, yeah, works well. You know, and again, you can do this. You know, one of the things that prompted me doing this actually originally was um, was the conversations I had with somebody in a in a networking group that I'm a member of, um, who basically tried to sort of coax me into doing cheap headshots, and I went like, "Well, I don't want to do that," you know. Um, and th this conversation ensued, and it was like, "Well, but I just need one headshot." I'm like, "Well, I'm not your guy, yeah. right? If you want something cheap, um, I know a guy." I can give you a number. Operates out the dog and duck around the corner. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. If that's what you need, <laughs> look, I'm happy to pass that on. If that's what you need, but that's not what I do. So you know, it's a little bit like um, you know, somebody who wants to buy a Ford Fiesta walks into a Ferrari dealership and expects them to sell them a Ferrari for the price of a Ford Fiesta. Well, it's just not what they do. Mm -hmm. But I'm happy to show you on the map where the Ford dealership is, <laughs> right? And so. Um, you know, and so, uh, you know, out of, that, out of that conversation, you know, I thought like, well, you know, what can I do that works for me and works for him or for yeah. people like that? Yeah. You know, um, and so, you know, that, that's, that was an idea. Anyway, so, yeah, so that just took, took a little bit of planning. Oh, um, no, it's, it's, it's a winner. Um, that's the thing that's happening. The other thing, of course, I've been dealing with is uh, predominantly passport issues. Last oh, week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, almost went in your place <laughs> because if well, yeah, and plus you know, as from a little over a week from now, I'm oh, I shall be stateless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, stateless. that's right. Yeah, yeah. You you will be um, Tom Hanks in Terminal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that may very well happen. Yeah. Um, but I'm literally going to be. A citizen of the world. Oh, wow. God, you hippie. <laughs> exactly. You hippie. Yeah, so that was another, that was another fun thing. And yeah, that is by no means fun. resolved at this point. So, yeah. Yeah, But that's it. But that's the job in um, uh, Amsterdam, isn't it? Yeah, that's the job in Amsterdam, which uh, also is headshot related. But the, um, 
you know, and, and generally speaking, it shouldn't be too difficult. But the reality is, is that my my passport, albeit still valid at the time of travel, uh, is is not very valid for much after that. Mm. So, uh, and that's where the problem lies, you know. Um, but that's easily done, particularly the last couple of years, right? When you haven't been able to travel. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a funny thing, right? So, do you remember when we had this conversation? Like, I had absolutely, I mean, honestly, I had zero idea how, like, when, when my passport would expire. Like, I, no idea. I mean, I thought in my head, I thought it was 2024. Um, and it turns out it's actually my daughter's passport that, re- that expires in 2024. So, I must have gotten that confused. But anyway, so, um, as I'm getting my passport to uh, provide the details for the for the flight, you know, I open it and I'm thinking, 17th of May, <laughs> oh my God. 2022. Oh no! <laughs> and as you know, as you know, with a lot of countries, you need to have at least three months of validity yeah. on your passport so that you're that they let you in, so that you're allowed to travel. And as um, so that just wasn't the case, and so. My initial thought was, shit, I'm screwed because I won't get into the Netherlands. And you know what the funny thing is? You're still not 100% sure if you're going to get back. Okay, well, okay, so here's the thing. So um, so I've been, I've been assured by the Ministry of the Interior, or whatever it's called. I still haven't worked out what it's called over here. What, in Germany? Oh, here? Yeah. The Home Office. The Home Office, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, the Home Office, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been I've been assured by the German Home Office that uh, traveling in <laughs> Ministry of the Interior. Know, yeah. That's what it should be called. Well, yeah, it should be. <laughs> because that's what it's called in German, actually. Oh my god! But um, yeah, do you hold me. I guess it's the Home Office. Yeah, <laughs> sounds so, like something out of Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, so I've been assured that that shouldn't be a problem. Well, I actually no, I've been assured that it isn't a problem um, because traveling into the EU. Um, with an EU passport, will basically mean that that passport is valid up to the last day that it's, up mm-hmm. to the day it expires. Um, and I've also, I mean, I've been assured that traveling back won't be a problem. You're not getting back. But I'm, that that doesn't fill me with that much confidence, let's put it this way. But, you know. Because you'll be traveling on a European passport, they won't let you in. Well, I have. Um, I have. And that is going to make me laugh. Oh, well, I know, I know, it would be hilarious. Um, but I have actually... Um, I've, I'm taking all my, um, which you, I can't even remember what it's called. Um, proof of residency. Settled, yeah, proof of residency um, mm. stuff with me just to prove because on the on the British side, it's like, you know, your passport has to be valid for the duration of your stay, mm-hmm. which in my case is indefinite, indefinite. So that's uh, interesting. Mm. But as long as I can prove that I'm actually that I actually live in this country, then um, then the hope is, is, is that... I want you to FaceTime me when you get... Just before you're about to go through passport control. <laughs> I will do that. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. And I want to see what happens. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. Because um, then you'd get in... <laughs> they'll, they'll take you aside for having your mobile phone out as well, because you're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> not only having your phone out, but filming. Yeah. So anyway, so we had we had this you know we had this conversation. Oh, we'll do that. Yeah. But we had this conversation about oh, about passports dear. and expiry dates and stuff, you know. And uh, and I was like, oh, 
you know, after the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything, I mean, I haven't, I mean, I literally haven't used my passport mm. since before the first lockdown. You know, I mean, I had, didn't have to because that was the last time I traveled. Yeah, abroad anyway. Um, and then you said, "Oh yeah." I set these reminders in my calendar like a year before and six months before and three yeah. months before. It's like, I've never done that before. Because I'm not an idiot. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't be trusted to remember it. I can't be well, trusted to know when my insurance on my car runs out. Yeah. I can't be trusted to know when the tax runs out on my car or the MAT. I have yeah. no idea. I'm useless at it. Yeah. So I have to put multiple multiple reminders in and i still miss it but times. the funny thing is like when i told my wife about this she was like yeah that's what normal people do and i'm like what <laughs> <That> is... <laughs> i'm not sure normal people do that <laughs> no. but it's a, it's a damn good idea i mean yeah. you know I'll, I'll i'll take that for sure oh, dear. it's a tricky one to come up with that set a reminder <laughs> i know but if, i mean you know because these things are valid for 10 years yeah yeah, you know, yeah so yeah. like I know. Yeah. That's why you stick with Apple, because it will all transfer. <laughs> exactly. But um, you know, but here's my little rant about the German embassy, by the way, just saying this. There's just no way that you can run an embassy and not be approachable or available to talk to anyone ever. <laughs> That's just not happening. I mean, it's it's I've never experienced anything like it. Mm. You know. And if I've been dealing with the German embassy in London for twenty five years. And I've never I've never seen anything like it where you're on hold for hours and they just cut you off, you know. It's your punishment for living here and not in Germany. <laughs> or, or they cut you off. Like, let's say, like, your opening hours are from 11 to, I mean, in this case, like, from 1.30 to 11.05. Yeah, well, pretty much. <laughs> so from, like, 1.30 p.m. to 2.30 p.m., they cut you off at 2 o'clock with yeah. the message, you're now calling outside to the official opening hours. And you go, like, Juice, <laughs> juice. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, it's such a frustration. Oh, that's, I've, that's for Dave. That is juice. <laughs> I've emailed them over a week ago. Do you think I've had any reply? Of course nope. not. Of course not. Oh, I mean, it's it's just not a way to run an embassy. Just saying. Come on, Germany. Yeah, exactly. You're better than this. Well, I mean, this whole this whole stereotype of like you know, you love your cars. You know, this whole thing about like being overly organized. No, this is just simply not true. <laughs> not, when you, not when they're here. Not happening. Not <laughs> happening. And then I look at the Dutch website, the Dutch embassy website, and it's all like super modern, you know, new, fancy, seems very efficient. You look at the German website, it's like it's made in 1996. So it's the UK one. On Windows 94, yeah. 95, isn't yeah. it? So it's the UK one. It's shocking. Oh, yeah, yeah, the government website. Yeah. Shocking. Uh, the German embassy is even worse than that, though. Oh. Yeah, that's to be said. But the Gov. Okay, fair it's, enough. It's bad, isn't it? It is bad. The Gov UK website is. It's terrible. like it's. It, it, it looks like it's made for children, but it's written in such a way that it's made for no one. <laughs> I always think I've, I've done something wrong, but I get on there. Yeah, it's always so awful. <laughs> it's I don't know who they got to create that for them, uh, but there's no one intelligent. I mean, it's, uh, and also it's, been, it's literally been the same for at least seven years. Mm. I, yeah. I haven't seen any changes. It in works that. about the same as well. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Anyway, so, and, yeah. after that little rant, yes. here's a question I will pose for today. And the question is, does having the latest gear make you a better photographer? Absolutely. 
100% you heard it here for us. 100%. Yeah, what a revelation that was. Um, yeah, absolutely. Of course it bloody doesn't. <laughs> what a ridiculous question. So, you know, does owning the latest camera body, for example, with the latest autofocus technology and the latest whatever, um, does that make you a better photographer? No, or not? it just makes your life ever so slightly more convenient. <laughs> makes your life slightly more easy. You know, the thing about that is, it's really funny when you watch newbies do photography. So there is a... It, there is a slight depend here. If you take, if you take video work, if I put um, your D seven fifty and film this, right, it's going to look a certain way, mm-hmm. and it look all right actually. It yeah. will look all right once you take some of that magenta out of it. <laughs> yeah, my oh, God. God. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. It's so weird. It's just super magenta. Yeah. So anyway, but, and it will look a certain way and it's, it's just, it's, it's all right. Yeah. You can do light it, all of the same, all of that stuff. Yeah. Do everything the same. You can... But when you put nicer gear in front of it, yeah. It does look a darn sight better. Yeah. It does. It does. Now, that is... Well, there's got to be some advantage to more expensive or newer gear, because otherwise, what's the point? Well, there is, but I guess when you... Okay, so take... I mean, when you're looking at stills, I I feel slightly differently about it. Mm, Yeah, okay. I I do a little bit, um, and I, I can't really explain why. Um, it's because it has a, there's one thing about video looking different and looking more professional for want Mm. of a better phrase, but you don't necessarily look more or less professional with different camera bodies for stills. Well, the thing with stills is I think you've got more, especially when you shoot in raw, you do have more flexibility. You do. And I'll tell you one thing that's, that actually did surprise me was when, do you remember about a year ago or something, we went to Brighton um, mm-hmm. to do some street photography, which is something we have to repeat, by the way. Um, but there was a shot that I took that I turned into a big print, mm-hmm. which is now in my sort of office area. Um, and I look at that print and I'm like, that print looks damn good. Mm-hmm. And that was shot on my little Fuji. Yeah. You know, and you can, you look at it and you're like, that's actually, that's, that's a freaking damn fine print, you know? Um, so, and ordinarily, I think in the past, I would have felt better having shot that with the Nikon. There is, they just look, will look different. Hmm. They will just look a bit different, not, um, but not necessarily better or worse in any stretch. I don't think you can necessarily say that of video once you get into a certain realm. Yeah, sure. Um, everything around, you know, in the DSLR kind of world, if you like, will look there or thereabouts. When mm. you do hit like cinema line cameras and stuff mm. like that, they do look different. They do look better, yeah. in my opinion. That's my taste. Yeah. That's what I like the look of. Um, 
but stills they look different and but they aren't worse one's not better than the other yeah. you're shooting your fuji you shoot on your nikon it it will just look different yeah and and plus you know as far as the you know the flexibility in the raw files concerned and the the post-production on it you can you have more flexibility in those yeah. in those files yeah. you know um it's just i mean it just surprised me that, that it actually looked that good you know uh, in print so it's a fairly large print and it's you know it's nice yeah so yeah. um so that was one thing but uh, you know <laughs> i my observation is always that it was generally that you know when you look at people who first start out in photography like people who are just getting into it and they sort of stand to go past the auto stage you know where um people are st starting to struggle with you know the exposure triangle and like you know autofocus modes and all that kind of stuff at the very beginning i think um and although that is it's sort of a beautiful stage to be in because it's that sort of that stage of discovery where you discover all of these mm. things you it's know it's quite exciting actually yeah it's no. quite exciting exactly mm. but um you, you sort of think well but it, no matter whether they have, you know, an older, or like, you know, like, let's say an entry level camera, like a, for Nikon, let's say a D3, was it D3, 5,000, was it 3,500 or something, mm -hmm. um, or a Z9, that problem is still the same, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and something that maybe applies to video as well. It's like the expertise that you gain in terms of lighting something, you know, if you light something really well, that is still going to be a vastly better image, even if you shoot it with, you know, a cheaper camera, for example, um, compared to somebody who has zero idea about that and uses a C70 or whatever to shoot an image that's completely, that's badly lit, yeah. you know, the rest of it. You know, I think you can still get better results if, you know, if you know what you're doing, basically you know, as a photographer or as a videographer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's, that's, to me, that's always the, that's sort of the, you know, the main thing. Um, well, I watched, I, I, it was quite a while ago now, but I remember watching, um, oh, his name escapes me now, but um, he runs, uh, is it Filmmaker Pro or Filmmaker, oh. um, what's his name? The filmmaking academy. I forget now. Mm. Uh, top bloke. I've learned a lot from him over the years. Mm. Um, some really good stuff on um, general um, filming and obviously editing. And he did a video a little while ago of, um, you know, basically a beginner using a $10,000 camera and a pro using a hundred dollar camera or two hundred dollar camera that kind of style i have seen that you know i've come across the video i haven't watched it but i've come across yeah, it. yeah some good stuff mm. just goes to show yes yeah. it won't have the necessarily have the look that he would have got if he'd used the pro camera mm. but the quality of the film is better yeah you know it's that kind of thing and it just goes to show that it's not one and this is the other thing right when you're watching something you after a just a few seconds, you're tuned in with how it looks. Yeah. That's why, if you look at the color grading on some films, some are, they're so they're actually really strong. They're not natural in any way most of the oh, time. Yeah, yeah. But you 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 suddenly you're just in tune, and it just feels normal, well, natural. I tell you what, actually, 
talking about color grading there for a second. Um, I've engaged in the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie marathon. Right. Well, you're going to be really bored after the first 90 minutes. Oh, well. So they're crap after the first one. Um, well, but oh, they maybe are, the second and yeah, third's okay. Are, but... are cool. I'm, I'm now at the beginning of the, the very beginning of the fourth. So I'm, yeah, mm. done three movies. But there are, well, I tell you what was struck me was um, there's some battle scenes. And I think it's in the, if I remember correctly, it's in the third one. And uh, there's some battle scenes, which are actually awesome. They're wicked. They're, they're shot in a really mm-hmm. great way. The action is fantastic, yeah. Yeah. you know. Special effects are superb. Um, but the color grading is so monotone. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost, it's like a greenish black and white, but it's just monotone. Yeah. Um, and of course, I mean, it, it helps. You, you don't necessarily think about it no, or you see don't it think when you're watching it. Exactly. But I tell you what, if yeah. you were grading that, you know, I can't do that. Yeah. All the, I mean, <laughs> all the color's been taken out of it really. And it's, it's all, it's all in this like uh, greenish gray kind of color, colorized. So it's that kind of look. And of course, it adds to it's it's a battle scene between two ships at sea in a storm type of a thing, you know, and they're like going at each other, and and like you know, pirates swinging from one ship to the other, whatever. Uh, and it, it just adds to the tryst, you know, grim situation. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? Yeah, and and you don't realize how the color goes for that scene. You know, is this just like you watch it and it just seamlessly seems to blend in with everything yeah. else but of course you know because i was watching it and i had to pause it for something and then when i came back to it i just noticed that there was virtually no color in the whole, in yeah. the whole image it's very interesting color is powerful in mm. particularly in in film you know if you you want a sickly psychologically nasty kind of mm. vibe to it you, you push some green because hmm. that's the most unsettling. It's one of the most unsettling colors, green and that kind of yellow with it as well. It's just, hmm. it, you don't like it. Your eyes don't like it. Yeah. So that's why it just makes you feel a certain way. It just adds to the, the vibe. That's why nobody likes the green goblin. The what? The green goblin. The green goblin. Yeah, that's oh, why that's no one likes the green goblin. Yeah, nobody likes frocks either. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> But it's um it's it's funny. I was just scrolling through Netflix the other day, and the Joker's on it now, right? Oh yeah. And on my TV, when you're scrolling through and you stop on a film, it automatically plays the trailer for you in the still on the main screen. Oh really? Yeah, I've got a fancy TV. Oh. Um, <laughs> and um, it just started. I was just scrolling. Oh god, I need to rewatch that. Hmm. And it started playing. It's it's the scene where um, I was just about to say Tommy Lee Jones. Oh. <laughs> I forgot his name now. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. No, 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 not him. Um, why can't I remember his name? You're all shouting this right now. I know you are. In the Joker? Yeah. He's TV host. Oh, I don't know, actually. I don't know. It's... Oh, that's going to bug me in a minute. For some reason, his name is... Compl- he's one of the most famous actors on the planet. TV host. Uh, isn't, his name's completely blanking me. I don't know why he's blanking mm. me right now. Anyway, it's that section where he's in the TV studio. Mm. And you look behind um, 
wherever his name is right now. It's really annoying me. And it's got those 70s kind of colours behind him. Okay. And it scrolls back around, and the colour grading on that film is absolutely outstanding. Hmm. It looks incredible. It makes you feel a very specific way. Yeah. And it's, if you haven't seen it, and you're into video or anything like that, anything towards that, even just photography, just go watch it and look at the colours that are in that film and just pay attention to the colours that happen. It is <clears throat> outstanding. A great TV series for colour grading, in my view, is Mindhunters. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, that's a really nice, typical example for orange and teal, but yes. it's just really nicely done. So that's one um, That's one that I that like for that for that very reason. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Robert De Niro. Oh, Robert De Niro. <laughs> My God. How could I forget his name? It's been a while since I've seen it, John. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to watch it again soon. Yeah. Um, as soon as I get a moment, I need to rewatch it. It's just, aside from it being a brilliant film. Have you seen The Batman? No. I, I keep putting it off. It's pretty damn good. Is it? Yeah, it is. I just don't like him. I don't like him either. But it's, do you remember when um, the last Batman series came out? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, with um, Ben yeah. Affleck. No, 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 The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Love that. So when that first came out, it was really different from any other Batman mm. that was before that, right? It was different from uh, Val Kilmer's Batman. It was, it was different from, you know, um, what's his face? E.R. Batman, you know, it's, it's different from... E.R. Batman. Whatever his like face. That. What's his yeah. face? George Clooney. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. Called Goonie. E.R. Batman. Yeah, so, great. you know, um, so it was, it's, you know, when The Dark Knight first came out, it was very different from, from all of those. And this version of The Batman is yet again really different from mm. anything else that was before that. And it's shot in a really interesting way. I think you'd enjoy it, actually. I, I've seen a couple of bits and pieces of it, and I've seen a few stills mm. of it. And there's this one particular shot where I think the car's upside down, and you see him walking away into fire, and, and the whole image is orange. Yeah, the, 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 that's that's definitely... That is very much a look in this. I mean, it's very orangey, mm. very, there's sort of reds in it. It's really different. Um, you very rarely ever see Bruce Wayne in this. Okay. I mean, he doesn't actually show up as Bruce Wayne a lot in that movie at all. I'm willing to bet that's because he was a bit cheated. <laughs> well, but it's, it's just, um, it's a very long movie as well. It's like nearly three hours long or something. Really? Yeah. Um, and, but it is, yes, definitely... It, it surprised me because I had exactly the same sentiment before and I was like, oh man, do I really want to see a vampire in a bloody back I wonder costume? if they learned a little bit from um, um, Justice League. Oh, 100%. Zack Schneider and go... Completely different stuff. You know what, maybe we'll actually... Because the, the theatrical version that came out of Justice League was... Yeah. I, I didn't enjoy it all that much, yeah, true. but I really so. enjoyed the Zack Schneider cut. So when... When you see this one, this is completely different from that. Mm. And um, again, it's a complete, it's like, a, what's the best way to describe it? He doesn't actually have that many gimmicks. Like he doesn't have, like his Batmobile 
It's essentially something like a souped up Camaro. That's it. There's nothing special to it. Okay. You know, um, there aren't any like weapons on it or anything like that. Um, like his his Batman costume is not that sophisticated. He's got, you know, like a grappling hook gun type of a thing. That's about it. There's nothing else really to So basically it. he's Adam West. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little bit more sophisticated, but it, but really there's no, you know, the, he doesn't really have that many, like, super sophisticated gadgets or anything like that. He doesn't do really anything that's... You're not selling it to me right now. <laughs> but what it is, it's really dark and... Um, and they've created this this really interesting look um, to this movie, you know. And um, there's something there's just something to it. Mm, I will watch it. You know? I will watch it. So I think, you know, personally, I think they've done a yeah. they've done a really really good job. Um, there's also the scene where he shows up for the first time in the back costume. It's he literally. That's a really great scene. So they extended that scene and like made you wait for this moment you know mm -hmm. it's essentially a scene where there's a bunch of like street crooks you know they're like like some street gang activity or whatever and then some i think they're in like some metro station or something like that um and then he basically emerges out of a shadow but super slow and really menacing and it's like you just think okay mm. it's gonna freaking kick off any second and you know when when this fighting starts you actually realize well he's not that much of a superhuman do you know what i mean mm. um it's it's a really interesting um interesting way to do the whole thing so important question mm. does his bat suit have nipples little no. <laughs> <laughs> did you know i was gonna say well, that <laughs> That's, that's what I always look for. Well, well that's it. It's not Batman unless it's got nipples. Nipples in the crotch area. Is it two only, the only exactly. two things. Yeah. Thank you, ER Batman. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I enjoyed it. Um, it was uh, definitely different from what I expected, for sure. But um, but nevertheless, uh, again, color, seeing that we're talking about the color grading, uh, interesting movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the film as such, although... You've said a few good things there, so maybe mm. I'll look forward to it a bit more. But I'm looking forward to seeing how it looks. Yeah. So the few stills I've looked, it looks really interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, so. it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I quite like the way that they've sort of scaled the whole, you know, the, the whole technology thing. Because the thing about the Zack Snyder thing is, you know, he's got like all these gadgets, like in this crawler machine thing, and it's just gone a little too high tech mm -hmm. and what they've done with this one is they've like totally scaled that back like where he's literally doesn't really have really any sophisticated weapons whatsoever you know and it's just brute force basically mm -hmm. you know yeah. um there he's got a couple of things you know where there's some sort of contact lenses that film stuff or whatever but that's about it i mean that's Literally. So he's just James Bond in a black suit. Then he gets beaten up quite a lot. Oh, he's well, rubbish so. as well. Okay. Actually, I tell you what, I tell you what that reminds me of. Um, that's a little bit like uh, do you remember when Casino Royale first came out? Mm -hmm. That was sort of uh there was a version of James Bond where they literally again they've sort of taken all the sophistication out of it and he was just a brutal, like brutal 
guy who was like, you know, using brute force to beat up his opponents. And there wasn't a lot of like gizmos or anything. And that was the best James Bond in years. Yeah. And a similar thing has happened with, with the Batman is when I've just taken all that and I just made it, made it a little more hands-on, you know, a little more brutal. And, and so, and that really reflects on the, on his, um, on his opponents as well, because you know, you've got the penguin in there and the Joker. And the Joker doesn't look anything like you imagine a Joker to look like. No, I haven't seen stills of them. Don't yeah. don't don't describe it. I don't want to know. I want to uh, be surprised. They really don't look anything like you think they would mm, look. Okay. And that's it, it works with the feel of the film, actually. Um so yeah, interesting thing. If you haven't seen the Batman, uh, it's available on I think it's on um it's definitely available for download at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, in your so usual illegal places <laughs> or illegal places. So yeah, don't do that. So that's um, anyway, good movie. I enjoyed it. One sweet, yeah. Thought it. Cool. Well, that's pretty much all that's been happening this week. Shebang, shebang. We will be uh, we'll be back next week, of course, um, as per usual on Thursday. Shebang, shebang. <laughs> That's it. You have finally made it to the end of episode uh, 105 of the Camera Check Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. And remember, um, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, then uh, write us a little review, give us a little star rating. But uh, if you must head over to YouTube, then, um, you know, give us a little like, um, subscribe, and all the rest of it. Uh, follow us on TikTok, Instagram, all those good places. Because, uh, yeah, that would be good. Great. See you next week. <laughs> Tic-tac. Tic-tac.